The last time we were looking at God's good word, we discovered that Christians do sin, and Satan has a great time when Christians sin. In our last study, we were looking at Zechariah chapter 3, the fourth of Satan's insidious devices for tripping up the saints. And here in Zechariah chapter 3, we discover that he is not working on earth so much as in heaven. Now, Satan has access to heaven. He is the accuser of the brethren. Now, when the devil talks to me about God, he lies. But when the devil talks to God about me, he can tell the truth. I've sinned against the Lord. Christians do sin. A Christian is not someone who is sinless. He is someone who does sinless. Before I became a Christian, it was the normal thing for me to sin and the unusual thing for me to do good. Since I've been saved, the normal thing for me is to want to do good. The unusual thing is for me to sin. Now, we Christians sin without even realizing it. David prayed, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me, is what the psalmist prayed. And you and I sin without realizing it. Now, in Zechariah chapter 3, the prophet had a vision of the high priest, Joshua, standing before God in dirty garments. The high priest was never to wear filthy garments. He was always to wear clean, glorious garments. But he had sinned, and the nation had sinned. The high priest, you will recall, represented the nation before God. Back in the Old Testament, the individual Jews had to come to God through that tabernacle, through the priest, We today, thank God, come to him through our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Christians do sin. We're like Joshua. There are times when we've lied or we've lusted or we've hurt somebody. And you know, the instant thing for us to do is to confess it immediately. If we've sinned against someone, go apologize immediately. Why is it that we Christians allow sin to accumulate Why is it that we allow sin just to work in our hearts and we get more and more backslidden, more and more in trouble? Well, we shouldn't do that. The instant we sin, we ought to come and confess it. Now, when we sin, the devil goes to work. He goes to God and says, you see that preacher down there? You see that fellow who's pastoring that church? He sinned. What are you going to do about it? You're a holy God. A holy God can't permit someone to sin. He's one of your children. You better do something about that. Now, I'm glad that God is long-suffering and patient to usward. I'm glad the psalmist says he hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That doesn't mean that God doesn't spank us when we sin because he does. Hebrews chapter 12 makes it very clear that God in his chastening loves us. No, the psalmist when he said this, he hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities didn't mean that God overlooks our sin. It simply means God doesn't treat us the way we deserve. That's the difference between grace and mercy. God in his grace gives me what I don't deserve, and God in his mercy doesn't give me what I do deserve. If God gave me what I deserved, he'd have to put me in a thousand hells. But he doesn't do that. I'm his child. Now, what happens when a Christian sins? Well, some people say when a Christian sins, he loses his salvation. That's not true. Keep your finger in Zechariah chapter 3, but turn to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Notice the word fellowship. 
In the first two chapters of John's little letter, the word fellowship is found many times, not the word sonship. You see, when a person is born again, he becomes a child of God. He is born into God's family, born into God's kingdom. He cannot be unborn. What does sin do to the Christian? Sin does not rob him of sonship. Sin robs him of fellowship. That's the difference in the Bible between justification and sanctification. Justification is the gracious act of God whereby he, God, declares a believing sinner to be righteous in Jesus Christ. That never changes. Sanctification is our position in Christ. Sanctification changes from day to day because there are some times when I'm closer to him than at other times. Now, once a person is born again, that takes care of sonship, but fellowship is quite something else. It says in verse 3, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, verse 7 of 1 John 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You see, if I sin against the Lord and say, well, I didn't sin, I break the fellowship. Sin breaks the fellowship. It's just like sometimes a child disobeys the father, and he doesn't cease to be a child. He doesn't cease being his father's son, but the fellowship is broken, and that fellowship cannot be restored until there is honest confession and forgiveness. Now, verse 9 tells us this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 1 of chapter 2, and this, this is where Zechariah 3 comes in. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. This is not an open door for sin. Anybody who says, oh, I'm a Christian, therefore I can go out and live the way I please and then come and ask God to forgive me, uh, is not either born again or doesn't understand the word of God. You know, when, when a person receives Christ and is born again and he has God's life in his heart, he doesn't want to sin. This new nature down inside just works in his life and he doesn't want to sin. He wants to do what's right. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin. Now those who say we can live perfect lives ought to read that verse. John says if any man sin, we have to be saved all over again. No. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. An advocate. Now, the word advocate is the old-fashioned word for the lawyer. An advocate was one who represented a party at court. Now, let's go back to Zechariah chapter 3. There's a court scene. God the judge is sitting on the throne. And Satan, the prosecuting attorney, is standing there accusing. So there's the judge, and there's the accuser, and there's the guilty party, Joshua. He sinned. Now, what's Joshua going to do? Satan's right. Satan says, God, you're a holy God, and he has sinned. You better judge him. But there stands one who is the advocate. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. This is one reason why Jesus is up in heaven. He is my advocate when I sin. And when I sin, I come to my lawyer, my heavenly advocate, and I say, I have sinned. I confess my sin. And he stands before God and he says, Father, this child has sinned, but here are the wounds in my hands. Here are the wounds in my feet. Here is the wound in my side. I died for him. His sin has been paid for. And he's asked forgiveness. 
and I forgive him. Now, please don't get the idea that God the Father is, is sitting up in heaven just anxious to smite me down. No, that's not true at all. The reason Jesus Christ is the advocate is because he is the propitiation. That's a big word in verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins. What does the word propitiation mean? Well, it means this. My God up in heaven, my Father, is holy. A holy God cannot stand sin. Something has to be done that my holy, righteous Father can forgive sin. Well, what was done? Jesus died. The death of Jesus Christ was the propitiation. That is, it satisfied the holiness of God. You see, this is the problem God faced in saving people. It's a problem to us, of course, it wasn't to him. Paul says he has to be just as well as the justifier of those that believe. How can a holy and just God forgive sin? Now, you and I forgive sins because we're so sinful. I mean, somebody sins against us and we say, well, we'll forgive you for that because we've sinned ourselves. How can God who has never sinned forgive people? Doesn't a holy God punish sin? Well, Jesus Christ went to the cross and bore that punishment, and he is the propitiation. That is, he is the sacrifice that satisfies the holiness of God. Therefore, when Satan accuses us, God can say, Satan, my holiness has been satisfied. My justice has been satisfied. That sin has been paid for. I forgive my sinning child. This is the meaning of Jesus Christ, the advocate. You see, I need Jesus Christ up in heaven. He's my advocate when I sin, and he's my high priest for my weaknesses. I have so many weaknesses. I'm so ignorant. I stumble. I fall. But I have a high priest up in heaven who takes care of my weaknesses and my failings. I have an advocate up in heaven who takes care of me when I sin. Now back in Zechariah chapter 3, Satan the accuser accused Joshua of his sin, trying to get him under the indictment of God's law. But Jesus Christ, the advocate, stands up and he says, Take away those filthy garments. I died for his sin, and therefore he is forgiven. Now, all of this ties in so beautifully to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. May I read it to you? Some of you dear Christians listening to me have sinned. You've resigned your Sunday school class. You've quit going to church. Maybe there's some preacher listening to me right now, and the devil's tripped you up, and you say, I'm going to resign. Don't do it. Oh, how Satan loves to cripple Christians with sin. Now listen to me. All of us have sinned. You go through your Bible, and you'll discover every child of God that God ever used fell into sin. Abraham lied about his wife. Moses murdered a man, and Moses lost his temper in front of the congregation one day. David committed adultery. Every one of God's servants somewhere along the line has sinned. Now, this is not an excuse for our sin, but rather it's an encouragement to us that God can forgive us and restore us. He forgave Peter and restored him. He forgave Jonah and restored him. It's true they had to pay for their sins, no question about this. We do have results from sin. God in his grace can forgive us, but God in his government cannot stop the consequences. But listen, don't put yourself on the shelf. Don't quit serving the Lord simply because you've sinned. Because God will forgive you. Now look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, 
Who can be against us? Look, friend, God is not against you. He's for you. The devil wants you to believe God's against you, but he's not. God is for you all throughout Romans chapter 8. In verse 26, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who's going to lay any charge? Who's going to come to court with any accusation? It is God that justifieth. And that justification will never change. Once he declares that you are righteous, nothing can change that. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. There's that phrase again. Back in verse 26, the Holy Spirit is making intercession for us. In verse 34, the Lord Jesus Christ is making intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He goes on to list these things, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no separation. Look, confess that sin to the Lord. Claim his forgiveness. Get back to work for him. Don't let Satan trip you up. This is Pastor Warren Wearsby at Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. The program is What's the Good Word? Thank you so much for listening.